0: Um, we are in week three of our Advent series, guys, where we've been looking at this whole idea of the gospel and what Jesus brings to us in his life, death, and resurrection. And um, you may not feel like this, but sometimes Christmas isn't always sunshine and lollipops and, you know, Christmas tree-smelling things. It's, sometimes it's really tumultuous and stressful and full of anxiety. And what we wanted to do is actually kind of talk through some of those things, how how the, just the reality of christmas time and how jesus brings something that will help us through those those difficult times so we looked at broken relationships the first week and how jesus is our peace how he's made peace with god for us and last week we looked at anxiety and how jesus brings us hope and this week we're going to be looking at despair and how jesus brings us joy and what we see in the story of scripture is that in jesus's life death and resurrection The remedy for all the trouble and pain that our sin and rebellion against God and His ways has brought, all of that will be will find its remedy ultimately in Jesus. Amen. So that's what we're going to be looking at today: is the idea that He brings us joy. And before we get into everything, I want to tell two stories. Uh, A couple years ago, Jess and I were driving to meet some friends in Mississauga, and we were on the 410. We were driving along in the left-hand lane, and all of a sudden. Many of you guys will have experienced this feeling. You just hear this pop, and all of a sudden, you're driving like this. So our rear tire popped and had to get across the lane, so I had to drive over all three. We made it over to the side successfully. And then, for the you know, I was like, okay, I've changed many a flat tire. I can do this. I got this. Get all this stuff out. Go to take the tire off. Get four of the bolts off, and there's this one dang bolt <laughs> that would not come off. And so I was there forever. I was cranking it. Jess was pregnant and she had to pee so bad. So I was just like, I got to go. You know, I got to get this done. And, and then I could not do it. I put other things into it to try to give it more leverage, but it broke. It, I actually broke the wrench and I was just like, oh my God. Because I'm so strong, yes. Um, no, but actually, the opposite feelings were invading my brain. I felt completely like overwhelmed. I was questioning my validity as a husband as a man as a dad i was i was feeling despair i was like what in the world is happening i can't get this freaking bolt off what does this mean about me as a human being (laughs) and it it would not come off and so finally jess and i were having this conversation and we're like i guess we gotta call the tow truck guy and so he came and so we're waiting there so there's this there's this thing that we're waiting for we need deliverance we need to get this tire off and change so that my wife can go pee and we can make it to our appointment to meet some friends and so we're waiting there, and we're waiting, and we're anticipating the arrival of something. But in that waiting, there's this feeling of despair. Like, what is going on? This is never going to happen. This is never going to work. Fast forward, the guy gets there. He, too, cannot get the bolt off. So, so, so all the questions, I'm kidding. I still was like, oh. So we had to get it towed over to this other place. They switched the tire, and then we were back on our way. And so that was good. Uh, so that's a small example of this this feeling of despair where you need something to happen You need someone to come and rescue you and in the in the intermediate time or in, in the in-between time of something going wrong And needing rescue a few things can happen despair can set in or we can look to those things with joy the other story a few weeks ago um, that that the the Overbeak shared about how they for years were trying to conceive a child and had difficulty with that they were praying for that And they shared some of that struggle with us. And then a few weeks later, a few months later, they came up and they shared the other side of that story where actually they are pregnant now. And their their hope has been fulfilled. And, And as they shared that, the room, you could actually sense this palpable joy that actually, God, you have done something. You have rescued something. You have redeemed something. You have made something beautiful out of our despair. And that's kind of what we're going to be looking at this morning is this whole, the difference between despair and joy and how God wants, us, God wants to meet us there. So we're going to look at the story of Jesus' birth. If you guys have your Bibles, we're going to read from Luke chapter 2. And I'll just read this, the first 15 verses here, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dive in. <clears throat> in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful this morning that we are part of a bigger story than we can often see. We're grateful, Lord, that you have done something, and you will continue to do something for us. And so, Lord, open up our eyes and hearts and minds and help us learn how to choose joy. Choose joy always, Lord, in you. We love you, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, Have you guys seen, like, it is insane to me how many things have the word joy printed on them this time of year. It's crazy. So the other day I was watching basketball, and there was this commercial that came on, and it said, just, the word joy came across the screen. And then what followed was like four or five scenes of you know, men and women giving each other these wrapped presents. And this, most of them were household objects. So one was like a Dyson vacuum. And I was like, I've never vacuumed with a Dyson vacuum. Maybe it does elicit joy, I don't know. Maybe it's that good of a vacuum that something happens within you. But chances are it's not gonna, you guys have one, does it? Yeah. It's amazing. It actually does elicit joy, okay. I'm done. So that's it (laughs) Buy a Dyson vacuum. So Dyson brings joy, (laughs) the Lord's vacuum. So, but what it's like, the whole premise is like, if you buy this stuff, if you give people these things, this will somehow elicit joy. And it's like these people like, you know, they're dressed way too nice to be giving each other vacuums and it just, whatever. It's just not real. And so an Instapot, a polo sweater, a Dyson vacuum, these things are promising joy and to me that like thinking about that real joy might be one of the things that's most misunderstood in the world these days and not only in culture and society but also within the church i don't think we really understand what joy is so first of all like we're just going to ask the question what is joy then if we don't understand it if we want to see how jesus brings us joy what is joy so firstly joy is not the same thing as fun joy is not the same thing as fun you can literally take a pill to achieve fun, right? You can take some type of chemical substance to have fun. And this, this primarily has something to do with an internal feeling or with pleasure. And fun is also achievable in isolation or in a place of detachment. Fun is fickle and fleeting. One, one philosopher says this, fun is thin pleasure layered on top of an experience. It's thin pleasure. But I wanna be clear, fun is not bad. It's just not the same thing as joy. So then what is joy? What is biblical joy? C.S. Lewis famously says this about joy. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Dallas Willard. Joy is not about pleasure, a mere sensation, but a pervasive and constant sense of well-being. Hope in the goodness of God is joy's indispensable support. So biblically, in the Hebrew scriptures, there are a few words that are often translated as joy. The first one is simcha which means gladness or joy. The second is gil, which literally means to spin around, to be glad or to rejoice. Or it's a son, which means joy or happiness. In the Greek New Testament, we see these words translated as joy. The first one is kara, kara. I want you guys to remember that, kara, joy because of grace, kara, joy because of grace. The second one, euphorsune, which is good cheer, joy, mirth, or gladness of heart. And this one is really hard to pronounce, agaliasis, which is exaltation, extreme joy, or gladness. Biblical joy is this. Biblical joy is tied to the bigger narrative of scripture. That God is on this mission to unite heaven and earth and to unite God and man. That's that's the bigger story that biblical joy is tied to. Biblical joy we see all throughout the scriptures is linked to something that God has done. Right? When we were celebrating with the Overbeaks, that is linked to something God has done. So we're celebrating with them. If you think about the story of Scripture, if you think about the Exodus, when God leads his people out of slavery into the promised land, that is something God has done that elicits joy. When the Israelites are returned from exile, when they were captured by the Babylonians, that is something God has done. When Jesus has come and taken on flesh in the incarnation, we celebrate and rejoice because that's something God has done. Biblical joy is rooted in our relationship with God. It's a relational thing. Biblical joy is rooted in our relationship with God, who is steady. God is constant. So biblical joy is steady. And as we grow in that, in revelation of his character and his kingdom, all of this can result in spontaneous bursts of joy. So in the Overbeak story, we're realizing God is faithful. God is good. And as they're sharing the good news of their pregnancy, there's this spontaneous burst of joy. We put our hope in a God who is steady, and we have spontaneous experiences of knowing that in a greater and deeper way. Biblical joy is an attitude that is adopted by God's people, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's unending love and faithful promises. And this is my working definition of biblical joy. Biblical joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in Jesus' gospel as well as an act of resistance against the forces of despair. Biblical joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in Jesus' gospel, as well as an act of resistance against the forces of despair. So firstly, the gospel. He brings us joy. In our text this morning, we hear the announcement of good news of great joy for all people. This is what it is. Who asked that? Was that Josh? <laughs> I paid him a nickel to say that. So, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. We see this as tied to the bigger story or narrative of Scripture, right? That in the beginning, we talked about this last week, that in the beginning, as Adam and Eve fall, as they're tempted, as they believe a different story than what's true, God promises one who's going to come and set right what's been set wrong. There's going to come a daughter of or a son of Eve is going to come and crush the head of the serpent. There's this promise that the things that have been set wrong are going to be set right. A savior is going to become become real and come into this world. The Messiah is going to come. And what the story of the scriptures reveals is a God who is willing and able to act on humanity's behalf. We know that the world is, is in need of a savior. Hopefully. We know that the world is in need of a savior. So within the bigger context of scripture, we, we see this anticipation and hope that one day someone is going to come. We see that, that there's this need for peace with God. That, that in our rebellion against God, it's unleashed all kinds of brokenness and despair and pain and hurt and distance from God. That we need peace. And that our only hope is in this Messiah. It's, it cannot be found in human beings. We will fall, we will falter, we will fail. But God himself needs to step in. And so that is the joy that we celebrate, that the Messiah has actually come. Yes. This is what the incarnation is about. This is what we're celebrating during the Christmas season, is that God has actually stepped into our world. Okay? Think about this for a second. The light of the world is Jesus. He stepped into the darkness of the world to make things right. So he steps into our brokenness, into our despair, into our hopelessness, and brings us peace, hope, and joy. God's active intervention, this is what the incarnation is. It's it's God's active intervention into the destruction unleashed by our rebellion to God and his ways. He steps in and he does something about it. Athanasius, one of the early church fathers, says this, He has been manifested in a human body for this reason only, out of the love and goodness of his Father for the salvation of man. So Jesus comes as the God-man, fully God and fully man, to reveal to us what God is actually like, because in our darkness and delusion and despair, we had broken understanding of who God is, and to the point where we wanted nothing to do with our Creator. We're like, no, we got this. We will define good and evil on our own. We do not need you, God. Our ways are better than your ways. And you know how that worked out. Not so well. So he steps into that brokenness and into that darkness and into that pain and rescues us. C.S. Lewis, in the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down to humanity, down further still, if embryologists are right, to recapitulate in the womb ancient and pre-human phases of life, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. Listen to this. But he goes down to come up again. And bring the whole ruined world with him. Come on. That's good news. That's the savior that's been born in the town of David. Is the one who's going to come down into our brokenness, into our despair. He's going to come and rescue us. He's going to, you know, in, in keeping with the analogy, he's going to come and, and he, he sees our flat tire and will rescue us from the side of the road. And get us back on track. He sees that we need a Savior. And he, he comes, and he, what he does is he lives the life that we could never live. Yeah. Right? And he dies the death that we deserved, but death itself couldn't even hold him down. He raises again from the grave, and he's ascended back to the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit to indwell you in me. He's united himself. As coming as the God of man, he's united humanity and God. Again, part of the bigger story. Yeah. And, and in that, we are included in his life. We are included in his death. We are included in his resurrection. That's right. and so now we're seated at the right hand of the Father just like he is yeah. in the grand scheme of things. And so it, the thing we like to say is what's true of him is now true of us. Jesus is full of joy, so we can be full of joy. And that's what we're waiting in between, is that, that the arrival of the kingdom and Jesus' coming and the announcements of the, of the kingdom of God being established and the fulfillment of the kingdom. That's what we're waiting in, this tension of the now and the not yet. And that's why it's tricky for us. We can fall back into despair it's not fully realized and there are things that are still broken there are things that are still happening that are not completely god's will or purpose but what we see in the life of jesus is that he actually unleashed joy i'm just going to read just quickly through a few scriptures from the gospels that kind of point to this jesus unleashed joy luke 1 mary is greeted mary is jesus's mother of course is greeted by the angel saying rejoice so before he's even there there's this this joy that's building Luke 1.47, Mary proclaims, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's when she realizes she's going to be carrying Jesus. John 3.29, when Jesus begins his ministry, John cries out, For this reason my joy has been fulfilled. Luke 10.21 tells us that Jesus himself rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. John 15.11 tells us that Jesus' message brings us joy. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 16, 20, Jesus promises his disciples, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Amen. He continues on in John 16, 22 saying, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. John 20:20 shows us that the disciples rejoice at the sight of the risen Christ. Acts 8:8 says that whenever, wherever the disciples went, there was great joy. What if that was our testimony? Wherever we went, there was great joy. Acts 13.52 says that even though they were persecuted, the disciples continued to be filled with joy. Jesus unleashed joy. Why is learning to choose joy an important part of our discipleship or apprenticeship to Jesus? I would say that more often than not, as human beings these days, we are far more in the despair camp than the joy camp. Is that true? Sadly, yes, that's true. How many of you guys would say that you, you know like at least one legit joyful person besides Jesus? Dan? Dan? Yes. We all know Dan, okay, cool. We're good, all right. Dyson's and Dan, we're good. But how many of you know at least you know, 20 dis- people in despair? It's like it's, it's, there's so many people around us that need joy some statistics to prove this point. These are from America, but bear with me, okay? (laughs) There are 311 million people that live in the States, okay? In In the year 2020, when this study was done that I was reading about, there were 242 million prescriptions written for antidepressants. So there are 311 million people who live in America, and in 2010, there were 242 million prescriptions written for antidepressants. That year, $11.6 billion was spent on those prescriptions. And there were still, that year, over 34,000 suicides. Wow. The world needs joy. The world is in despair. There is a palpable sense of despair in the world that we live in. And for those of us who were here that morning when the Overbeaks announced their good news, we want people to experience that palpable sense of joy. That's right? Right? Where, where, yeah, there is despair, it's real, but we want to be able to, to point people to, to the one who brings joy. <coughs> to, we want to pe- point people to Jesus. Again, our working definition of Christian joy is a profound decision that we're deciding, we're choosing joy, of faith and hope in Jesus' gospel, as well as an act of resistance against the forces of despair. So what despair wants to do is it wants to lead us to death. Despair wants us to lead us to death and all of its signatures, okay? And so even like, it's funny, but it's not as severe as some of our cases are. When I was on the side of the road there, like I was talking about, I was questioning all kinds of stuff about myself. I was doubting myself. I was doubting my identity, my purpose, my validity as a human being, because I couldn't get a stupid tire off my car. But that's a small, minute thing. Compared to the, to, the, to the despair that a lot of us, even in this room, lived it, live with. And what despair does, it actually is trying to strangle the life out of us. It's trying to strangle the hope. It's trying to strangle the peace out of our lives. The, the, the prevailing message of despair is this things will never get better. Things will never get better. We think about the, the signatures of death, we think about depression, we even think about debt. Like this sense of overwhelm, I'm never going to get out of here. Things will never get better. How am I ever going to pay this back? That leads us to isolation, to to disconnection, and so much more. But equally, and even more so, the gospel of Jesus wants to lead us to life in all of its signatures. Okay? Where there is hope, peace, and joy, and purpose, and so much more. What we need to realize is that Jesus' good news is rooted in an undeserved or unmerited gift. Who knows what this word is? Coin <laughs> Josh tries to use koinonia for everything. That just shows you his heart. That means having all things in common and sharing stuff. That's Josh Ross right there. It's, it's, the word is grace. Grace is an undeserved or unmerited gift. And what I would like to present to you is that the presence of despair can be evidence of a lack of Grace. Okay, Grace defined as this. Grace is God acting in our life to do what we cannot do on our own. This is summed up perfectly in the incarnation and what we were talking about earlier, that Jesus came to live the life that we can never live. We're given his righteousness, his peace, his joy. All those things that we could never earn on our own or we didn't actually deserve as we chose rebellion against God and his ways rather than partnership with God in his ways. But God is a gracious God. And that goes back to that word kara. The word kara, the root word is charis, which is actually grace. So we rejoice in God's grace. That's what that is. There's a couple of things I want to just talk about briefly. Despair can be birthed from a few things, from a misunderstanding or a misapplication of the gospel. And I think it will manifest in a few ways. The first way, which is pretty serious, and one thing that we need to kind of be willing to talk about, is Sin. That feeling of despair could be due to sin that you're living in and with. Sin, in its very nature, leads us to death. Sin ultimately leads us to death repeatedly and over and abundantly. Sin is active rebellion against God's kingdom and God's ways. And this could be all kinds of different things. This could be pride. This could be sexual immorality. This could be slander. This could be covetousness. This could be all kinds of things. Evil desire. The list goes on and on. But what, what we feel in despair and in sin and actively rebelling, rebelling against God is, is summed up in this picture that God has designed the world to work in a certain way. Okay, He wants us to partner with Him. God He wants He wants us to adopt His way of living. So if we think about it as like a as a piece of wood, there's a grain in which God has made the world to work. Okay, so when we're sinning we're we're going against God's grain. We're going against his design for, for relationship and for the, how the world actually works. And when that happens, how many of you guys have run your hand against the grain of, say, like a, some pine, like some board pine? You get like a thousand splinters. And it's painful, and it's bloody, and it's gross. And that's what sin is. It's running your hand against the grain of God's design for your life and the life of those around you. And that's what sin does. That, of course, will lead us to a feeling of despair. When we're actively rebelling against God's kingdom and his ways, despair manifests. The second thing that despair can be coming from is this sense of striving. That I need to earn or perform my way to salvation and union with God. And again, that goes back to that definition of grace. Grace is something that we can never earn. Grace is God giving us something that is undeserved or unmerited. (coughs) This could be religious behavior, perfectionism, judgmentalism, selfish ambition... And so much more. But both of those things, both living in active rebellion against God's kingdom and his ways and sin and striving, lead us to a place of despair. Me trying to get that tire off and breaking things to get it done did not help. It left me in despair. And sometimes our religious behavior is that very same thing. If I just try harder, if I just pray more, if I just read my Bible more, if I keep doing these things, maybe that, that sense of despair will go away. But it's actually, no, it's, it's learning to rest and receive from God the grace that he has for us. Yeah. God, thank you. I could never earn my salvation. And of course, God's grace causes us to stop sinning, actually. That's the crazy fruit of that. And God's grace causes us to stop striving. We are attempting to gain peace and hope in the wrong ways. This leaves us exhausted and in a place of despair. A lack of peace and a lack of hope will always lead us to to despair. But remember what we've even been talking about the last two weeks. Jesus brings peace. He is our peacemaker. He has made peace between God and man through his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus is our living hope. He has risen from the grave victorious over sin and death, and we await his return to once and for all in death and all of his signatures. Amen? And all of this is a gift of grace. This is the chorus of God, which leads us to the kara we have in Jesus. We need to rest in God's grace to find our way out of despair. Joy, my friends, is a choice. How are we going to do this? How are we going to choose joy as we kind of live in the tension of the now and not yet of God's rule being established over God's place? And how God's way is not fully being embraced by God's people yet? How do we live in the tension of those things? The first thing we do, we're going to learn how to practice some things. Because I think one thing we can often forget as followers of Jesus is that we have to adopt a whole new lifestyle. It's not just that, okay, if I learn these things theologically, if I read my Bible enough, then all of a sudden I'm going to have this download of joy, and I'm going to be good. We actually need to kind of form new habits and new ways of thinking and new ways of living for us to fully live into the way of Jesus. Okay? So the first thing that we're going to practice as we we move to choosing joy is we're going to practice fixing our minds on Christ. We're going to practice becoming super familiar with the gospel, who Jesus is and what he's done. And that means we're going to be really familiar with this story. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to fix our minds on Christ. We need to allow the story of Scripture to shape us and to form us. Because from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, we're being shaped and formed by something. And we have a choice in the matter. It can be the story of the Dyson vacuum bringing you joy, or it can be the story of Jesus Christ bringing you joy. Everyone's offering you a story. Everyone's offering you a script to live by. We need to be familiarized with God's story and who he is. We need to fix our minds on Christ by asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what Jesus is doing, who he is, We talk about this often. The Holy Spirit comes to reveal to us Jesus in the same way that Jesus came to reveal to us who the Father is. We need to know who God is. So we need to practice fixing our minds on Christ. And when we do that, joy will spring up. We will realize He actually has done something. The second thing we do, which maybe isn't as fun to talk about, we practice obedience. Ooh. We practice obedience. Obedience. Jesus, in uh, John 15, says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, listen why, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There is joy in obedience. There is joy in not running against the grain of God's way and God's kingdom and God's purposes. This is requiring us to align our lives and end actions with his ways. And that's obedience. We do not want to keep getting splinters or leading other people to get splinters in their hands in the process. There is a long obedience in the same direction that God's calling us to. So we practice joy by fixing our minds on Christ. We practice joy by obedience thirdly we practice joy by celebrating and you guys are super happy this morning so we we practice joy by learning to celebrate things all right what do you want to celebrate jesus jesus all right yeah all right Woo. Uh, so we practice celebration we take time to celebrate the little things and the big things that god has done That's a good thing to start, guys. We need to to have that become a part of the rhythm of our life where we actually choose to practice celebration. As we kind of can always glean from the story of Scripture that Jesus has rescued us, he has redeemed us, and that we're waiting again for him to return. There's always something to celebrate. And what this also does is we learn to celebrate is it keeps us from always taking ourselves so seriously. Okay. This morning, Maggie's son was, during worship, he was pretending to shoot spider webs, like being Spider-Man, at, at Susie, whoever was leading worship. <laughs> and I was like, that, that just popped into my mind. Like, I love that because he's not taking himself too seriously. It's that he's in God's presence, just like you and I, like I am and you are, but he's, he's enjoying it. He's celebrating his freedom. I get to shoot spider webs at the worship leader, <laughs> like. So it keeps us from taking ourselves so seriously, which again, Keeps us from striving, right? As we kind of are trying to move away from striving and earning our, our salvation or kind of staying in that place of, of, of despair, it's good to keep, our, keep ourselves kind of lighthearted and joyful. You practice celebration by inviting some friends around and just learning how to have fun. You have good food together. You share stories. You laugh. Not fake laugh. You real laugh. That was a fake laugh. I heard someone fake laugh. <laughs> Uh, but guys, we need to learn how to celebrate. We need to learn how to celebrate. You know, many pastors have used this analogy, and it's kind of cliche, but it's true. Like, how many of us are super excited to celebrate like sports victories for our teams? Josh is. <laughs> Josh is with me all the way through. But we're not so good at celebrating the things that actually really matter. Let's get good at celebrating the things that matter. The fourth thing we practice as we're choosing joy is gratitude. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 107 verse 1. Look for something little each day to be grateful for. No matter your circumstances, look for something small to be grateful and thankful for. Give thanks to God in all circumstances. Let others know how grateful you are for their presence in your life. Look to the people around you and say, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for you. As long as it's true. Say it. If it's not true, then we'll pray for you and pray for that other person. The fifth thing, as we choose joy, is we share our life with other people. There's so much joy in sharing life with the people around you. We share ourselves with others in in the spirit of support and wanting to help by offering kind words, by being encouraging, by offering hopeful things, and also by offering our time. We share life with people by offering our time. This will help create and help us choose joy. And secondly, we, we need to be on guard for the times that we are tempted to squelch the joy of others. We do this by bitterness, by being jealous, or by harboring unforgiveness. That squelches joy in other people's lives. We need to be careful of that. So we choose joy by fixing our minds on Christ, by obedience to his ways and his purposes, by celebrating, by being grateful and thankful people, and by sharing our life with other people. There'd be, uh, there's tons more, guys, but that's just kind of what I felt like sharing this morning. So we have a decision. There's been a building that's been happening over the, over the last few weeks where we've been thinking about, okay, the flip side of some of this stuff that Jesus brings where some of us are living in or working through or talking through or processing the broken relationships that we have in our life. And we're trusting God that he has made peace with God through Jesus so that we can make peace with other people. And we've been working through our anxiety that, that the only way we get through this world is our hope being in, not in people or in stuff, but in Jesus. That, that Jesus needs to be the object, and the, the object and the source of our hope. And then today we've been looking at despair and how sin and, and striving can often keep us in a place of despair where we're misunderstanding God's grace. But I think if we're not willing to, there's like a progression that happens here. If we're not willing to work on the broken relationships in our lives, I think anxiety builds, right? We're 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 unwilling. There's this, oh my goodness, it, it builds into this place of anxiety. And if we're not willing to work through the broken relationships or the anxiety, we will live in this place of despair. So there's this mounting thing that can happen if we're unwilling to work with God through these things. We're unwilling to see that Jesus himself brings us peace, hope, and joy. And on the flip side, we realize that in Jesus, he is our peace. That God, We have peace with God through what Jesus has done. This gives us hope for the future. And this gives us the ability to choose joy in the present as we're waiting for God to return. That's right, yeah. There's a mounting thing on both sides. There's this thing that's building upon itself. So just like the shepherds heard over 2,000 years ago, there is good news of great joy for all people. There is good news of great joy for all people because a Savior has been born. And our invitation to respond today is this. Will we go, just like the shepherds did, will we go and see what happened? Will we go and see what happened? What's actually happened in in the arrival of Jesus? Or, just like they had, they had a choice to just sit and stay like things had never changed. They, They could just sit and just do what they've always done. And so maybe you've always been stuck in this place of broken relationships or anxiety or despair. And the invitation for you today is, hey, come and see what Jesus has done. He's brought you peace. He's brought you hope. And he's brought you joy. And this is the good news, my friends. This is the good news of great joy. Things are going to be better. The Spirit wants to tell us that things will never be better. Jesus tells us that things are going to be better. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to respond with worship. Jesus, we're grateful this morning that you have made a way for us, that you've made peace with God for us, that you've waged peace on my behalf. Thank you, Jesus, that you have become the source and object of, of our hope, and I pray that that would only continue. And Lord, help us choose joy. Help us point one another towards joy. Help us be able to call out, hey, you're in despair right now. There's, there's someone coming. He's already come. Jesus has come to set you free from these things. And Lord, may, where, where some of us are stuck in cycles or in um, repetitive behaviors that lead us to sin, God, I pray that you would help us break free from those things. We thank you that your grace, God, is sufficient for those things. Lord, where, where those of us are stuck striving and trying to earn our salvation, trying to perform our way to salvation, God, may we rest in you. That, that the gift of grace is undeserved and unmerited, and that's how you've designed it. And so, Lord, whatever it is, wherever we're at, may we be just like the shepherds and go and look and see and experience and know more what it is that that you've actually accomplished in your coming, Jesus. Thank you that you descended to reascend. Thank you that you came down to bring us back with you. And I pray that this morning, Lord, that joy would kind of just bubble up in us and and all through us. And may we be a community, a family that chooses joy over despair. We love you, Lord, and we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.